Welcome to Our Slingers, guys. Episode three. Wow, what a day. One of the greatest moments I've ever witnessed in darts. And it's just super exciting. I couldn't believe it when I watched it. It'll go down as one of the greatest darting moments of all time. It's not a major title, but it's just so inspiring. I have not seen anything like it. Anyway, how are the darts coming out, guys? Mine, not so great, but I'll get there eventually one day. It's been just a massive few days, both in the PDC and big Queensland Festival of Darts happening up here as well. So we're going to go through that. The giveaway was won by... The amazing, the awesome Jacko Ezard. He's a great supporter of the show. We love him here on uh, Arrow Slingers. So he's got a nice little Christmas gift coming his way. Keep you to the ground, guys, because we will run another one once we hit a certain milestone that I'm aiming for. So listen up, get your friends listening, join in the show, and we'll have another one, that's for sure. We'll go bigger and better next time, I reckon. We may even consider dartboard, but we'll get to that. Well, let's get straight into the Queensland Festival of Darts. Um, I mainly kept an eye on this one and have had a good look at this one because it's got Ray and Kai Smith in it. They're the two Aussie blokes that are heading over to the Worlds, the father and son team. Um, it looked like it was a best of three, best of five format, which the Worlds is set play and it gets longer and longer as it goes on, but those sets are best of five. So that's a nice little teaser for them. The round robin was set to best of five. I think it moved up as it went on. Um, Kai went four and three, it looks like, through the uh, round robin, 80-plus average, which is pretty good. So building nicely. He's going to obviously have other things on his mind, being a young bloke, I reckon. But good to see him competing still. Hopefully he's in there practising, practising, practising. And 80-plus is respectable. And he's only going to get better from there. And I reckon there's something to do with a big stage. I reckon just boost plays, just see people go over there and just perform out of their skins on that stage and then they get elsewhere and don't quite perform that way. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good for him. His old man Ray won the whole thing. He went six one in the round robin. I think he lost his opening match and then from there just smashed it. And he was averaging hundred plus in a lot of his matches. He even had a one oh seven, which is real high. Like Michael Van Gogh just broke the record of the Grand Slam with about 115. So to get up at 107, that's impressive, and that's going to win him a lot of games over the Worlds. Even 100 wins you a lot of games at the Worlds. So he's in pretty good form. Um, the last three titles uh, tournaments he's been in, he made a semi, which is the one his son Kai won, which is the Oceanic Masters. Then he had the Windmount Satellite, and in the Queensland Festival of Darts, he's won both of those. So he's in some sort of form and the best player in Australia right now. Obviously, maybe not the best Australian. You're Whitlock and Header over there, but some of his numbers he's putting up are going to compete with everyone, not alone, not just the Aussie guys. So fantastic to see. All right, we'll move on to the Grand Slam. Day two. Not a very important day. I think last week I said day one was the most important. It's clearly not the most important. The most important day is the last one, but it's an important day for not losing because once you lose on the opening day, you're then chasing your tail and making it hard on yourself. Day two is just a little bit of a meh day. 
Still some good darts, but not overly important. So we'll run off as quickly as we can through that. There wasn't a huge amount to go through. So some of the interesting stuff I'll quickly chat about, but we'll go through now with Group A. Nathan Rafferty, five to Martin Schindler, three. Gerwin Price smashed Ratowski 5-0, so he was looking pretty good. Mervyn King beat Rusty Jake Rodriguez. What a name. I can't get over that. RJR is what he goes by, which is a bit easier than Rusty Jake Rodriguez. It was 5-4 to Mervyn. Johnny Clayton beat the young Bradley Brooks 5-3. Group C, James Wade beat Boris Kritschmer 5-1. Rob Cross over Jim Williams 5-3. Stephen Bunting, five over Chris Doby, four. Ryan Joyce, who was pretty impressive, 5-1 over Rowby John. Fallon Cherrick, she went nuts on day two. So after losing on day one to Peter Wright, which you can understand, she came out. She was seven perfect darts, seven out of nine in that game against the Decker. Broke the world record for the highest women's score with 101 point something something but was well over 110 for the first few legs. And it was only towards the end, I think she missed a couple of darts stuffing around, but was 200 points ahead and 4-0 up. So that brought her average down a bit, but you can understand that. Can't stay that high the whole time. Not even the best players in the world can at the moment. But yeah, so she won 5-0 over the Decker to give herself a good chance the next day. The other Group E game was Gabrielle Clemens 5 to Peter Wright 4. That was a cracker. Absolute cracker. Clemens was playing well, and Peter Wright just couldn't do anything about it. Couldn't get into the game. Group F was Humphreys, Luke Humphreys fourth, and Matt Campbell four. So they were the two lower-ranked players in that group, but um, still playing some good darts. Matt Campbell's a Canadian, and he's just going to be at the Worlds as well. Luke Humphreys is a young man, just 26 years old, which I was supposed to bring up as well. James Wade is only 38. He's been around for a good 15, 16 years. He's only 38, so he's got a long way to go. Another interesting fact about James Wade, he's been at every single Grand Slam, and I think he's only missed out on qualifying for the knockouts once. Now, that's consistency. So that was just awesome. That's an awesome fact, awesome stat. The next Group F game, Jose de Souza versus Mensur. Another cracker, absolute cracker. Mensur has turned up. I know he lost this one, but... He wasn't looking anywhere near it before the start of this tournament. Yeah, he had a good World Cup with Rowby John, but World Cup's a bit different. It's not quite. You haven't got all the gun English players, only two from each country, whereas Wales right now has got a lot of guns. Scotland's got a lot of guns. England's obviously got a lot of guns. So you've only got two play, two good players from each country there. So they're always going to do well there. But, yeah, so he's playing really well, Mensa. Look out for him in the next round. Group G, Lisa Ashton versus Big John Henderson. Um, yeah, Big John's a bit of a front runner. So he looked nothing like it on day one. And day three we'll get to, once again, just not there. But comes up against Lisa Ashton, who he's expected to win against. And he, he threw really, really well. But um, it was just a bit surprising to see him play that well against a, a lower-ranked opponent. But um, Lisa still threw well, and she's just a fraction off. She is so close to tearing it to shreds. It's not funny. But anyway, so that was a 5-2 win to Big John. MVG 5, Joe Cullen 2. Another, uh, the world record average was set on this for the Grand Slam, 115 points something, and it dropped dramatically. He was, like most of the match, he was well and truly above his own world record average of 123. So that means that every visit he's hitting 
two big trebles. That's just next level, next level good. Joe was lucky to get two legs on the board. There was a couple of legs where he, MVG sort of stuffed around on doubles a little bit. But Joe played well and had to stay right there. But, yeah, he's looking real good, MVG. Barney, five. Joe Davis, zero. So Joe's, as I said, he's got that injury. Um, that's tough to deal with. He can't throw properly. So it's tennis elbow, which is an important part of a darts throw to your elbow. So he's just not throwing well at all, unfortunately. But Barney got the job done, 5-0, to keep his hopes of qualifying well and truly alive. And to round it off, Gaddy Anderson, two. Michael Smith, five. So this was a... The scoreline doesn't say, but this was another great game. Every leg, they were both in with a shot. Gary missed a couple of doubles here. So did Michael Smith, but was just slightly more clinical. Um, bully boy. But Gary looked good, and that's what I want to see. I want to see Gary playing his best. So out of all those games, Chase and I did our tips last episode. <clears throat> I was 11. Chase was 7. That's of 16. So... I thought I would have tipped a bit better than that, but that happens. And Chase, well, he doesn't really know darts and he's just sort of guessing, going with me for a bit and then going against me for the purpose of it. But I beat him, so that's good. Um, so the big big story out of that night was Fallon Cherrick, I reckon. Just to lose Peter Wright, she could easily have just sort of gone off with the sunset. Everyone's proud of her anyway for doing her best, but she's not happy with that. Um, she came out and a 5 0 win. That's so just next level. So really well done to her. MVG obviously played pretty well. And, um, yeah, Barney was a 5-0 winner as well. Girl and Price, 5-0. So some pretty good performances. So after the first two nights, the first two days, everyone's played both nights. Um, and after that, I got up super early ready to watch some more darts and then realised days three and four, the last game that everyone needs to play, they split it. So groups A to D played night three and F to G played on night four. So we'll go through them. Night three is group A to D. So Gerwin Price four, Martin Schindler five. Like I didn't do tips because I reckon I would have gotten about none today. Oh, night three. Gerwin didn't look terrible, but Schindler played out of his skin. Although it's not the tune-up you want coming into the knockout stages. Um, we'll get to later on who everyone's playing, but he's going to, Gerwin's going to have Bradley Brooks who topped his group as a 21-year-old and looks good. So as much as he's just playing because he doesn't need to, he'd already qualified Gerwin, but you don't want to lose by too much. So four to five is all right. Uh, and then we had a shootout for the other game in group A. Shootout meaning whoever wins is through. And that was between Christoph Rutowski and Nathan Rafferty. Nathan Rafferty, the other young man in this tournament, is a very nervy match. All game, low scores. Finishing wasn't great. And then legs seven or eight, I think it was. Um, Rutowski goes 180 to leave himself a finish. Rafferty goes 177 with the answer to leave himself a finish. And then just right at the end, Nathan Rafferty's pinched it, got himself into the next round which is just fantastic to have those two young blokes both qualifying through the junior system and making it through the next round. So that's awesome. Um, group B, Bradley Brooks and Rusty Jake. Bradley Brooks, five. Rusty Jake, three. Another two young kids, and they both look really good. Um, Brooks is pegging 113, and that was the middle of the bed every time. Every dart, all three of them just straight in, so... That was good. He pegged the 102. 
he did struggle towards the end to get over the line, but um, yeah, he still got there and he topped his group. So that's awesome. No, he didn't top his group. I think Johnny Clayton might have topped the group. Well, I'm not sure. We'll look into that. But um, yeah, Rusty Jake was 0-3. He didn't win a game, but it's still a very good performance. He matched it in all the games he played. Looks good. He's got a very quickish throw, like a very quick whippy throw. Um, I'm not sure what the advantages of that are. Sure, there would be some. Well, it stop you moving your other your upper arm too much, which is a massive problem I have. So if you're whipping it like that, it might get your little fingers going through properly and your wrist and elbow and all that and avoid too much shoulder and upper arm movement. Who knows? But he'll, he'll, he'll be on the scene for quite a while, Rusty Jake. I like everything about him. So that'll be good. Mervyn King and Johnny Clayton. Merv had to win by three to qualify. And this was this was after Bradley Brooks had played. So Bradley Brooks had set himself up on the stage and Merv had to win by three. But he couldn't get it done. He looks in good form, but um, Johnny Clayton was just too good. Yeah, 5-4. So even 5-4 in Johnny Clayton. That's not a bad performance, but yeah. All right, Group C, Jim Williams, five to Boris, one. That's all Jim Williams could have done to try and make him get himself through to the next round. Played pretty well the whole tournament. Wasn't too bad against Rob Cross. Rob Cross just turned up on day two. Uh, had a good win against James Wade on day one. I think Boris might have won an early leg, the first or second leg, and then Jim just ran away with it, which set us up to one of the most intriguing parts of the night and something that just gets me and... I don't understand it. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how they do it. But it's good to see. So James Wade needed to win by three legs to get himself through. And it would have knocked out Jim Williams. And wow, he came out the gates and just tore it to shreds. 140s, 180s. His scoring was there. He doesn't leave the 20s much at all, James Wade. But it was just perfect. <laughs> I haven't seen him score like that basically ever. And his finishing was finishing as James Wade did. And he actually got the 3-0 up, and then it clicked with the commentators. And even myself, I thought for a second, Rob Cross is in trouble here. And I think Rob needed to win either one or the two legs. I think it was just one. And it was 3-0 up, James Wade, and he was just destroying it. I think he was averaging over 110 or something. And Rob had no idea. Like, I think they interviewed him after, and he didn't know that he was almost knocked out. And James was close to winning both that leg that he needed. Uh, that Rob needed to stay in the tournament. So, yeah, that, that was very interesting. But how does how does James Wade just turn up like that? That's just a mindset that gun players must have and they can just switch it on. I'd love to play like that. If I could play like that, I'd just do it all the time. I wouldn't just at one stage go, yep, I think it's time to turn it on. But he did. Um, for the feel for Jim Williams, uh, he played really well, as I said before. Smashed Boris 5-1. Upset James Wade on day one, played pretty well against Rob Cross, and he hasn't made it. But that is the grand slam. But James Wade through with a ripping performance. So, And to come out of on the players' championships, he's been losing first round the last few and not playing well at all. And I think it was him against Hybrex at the World Series as well, who had a piss, well, I shouldn't say that, a very poor performance. And out of nowhere, he's like, yep, it's time to turn it on. Because his win in the groups was uh, against Boris before this one. So how does he just turn it on? I'd love to know. 
All right, Group D. Doby versus Ryan Joyce. Now, Chris Doby, as best game he played, Ryan Joyce had looked unstoppable the whole tournament. Doby didn't look likely at all. He'd come in late to place Dimitri Vandenberg. But out of nowhere, he wins 5-3. And um, that's darts. I wouldn't have tipped that. I wouldn't have thought that. Ryan Joyce was looking fantastic. Once again, I think Joyce had already qualified. Well, he did anyway in the end. But um, you don't want to be losing too much right before the knockouts. You want to get through. If you're going to lose, at least lose 5-4 when it's all on throw because then it's not a big deal. As long as you're holding your throw, breaks eventually will have a chance to break will come in the longer format. But, yeah. Um, and that left us down to a shootout between Stephen Bunting and Rowby John. Whoever wins gets in. And, my goodness, didn't Rowby John have a win? That's the best I've ever seen him play. 180s just off the darts. Just bam, 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 bam. He's scoring. He's finishing. He just left Stephen Bunting to the wolves, man. It was just... Awesome. Um, same as Jim Williams, poor old Stephen Bunting. Like he's run into Joyce was averaging 105, 104 in the first one in, uh, that he lost that. Then he comes back, he beats Chris Doby and for a chance to get in and he runs into Rabbi John playing like that. Good luck to you. But we've all, we discussed Stephen Bunting's throw a bit last week or the week before. And yeah, so a few things I think he could work on. Um, but we'll talk about that another day. He's always going to be thereabouts, but does he have what it takes to uh, get all the way? don't know. All right, day four. What a day. You heard the highlights before, and I'm, that's the second game we're going to talk about here. But it was I was pumped to start the day. Some of the games that we had on, like to finish off with uh, Gaza versus Barney, Gary Anderson, Raymond Van Barneveld. What a match. Those guys have been at it for years and years. So to have those two was just a dream come true. All right. The matches weren't in this order, but I'm going to go group E, F, G, H. So it sort of takes the tension off. But I can't remember what order they were in. Yeah, Peter Wright, five to Mike the Deck and Neil, which got Peter Wright through, which were left felon to have to beat Gabriel Clemens by a certain amount to get through. Um, he did the job, Peter Wright. Like it says five nil, but his doubling wasn't fantastic and Mike never got out the gates. So... Double trouble, bit iffy. But then, of course, towards the end there, he needs, I think it's 108 or something. And he goes 18, double 18, double 18. Like, where does that come from? You just you can't hit a double to save yourself and then bam, bam. And I love a double, double finish. It's just awesome. Right, that set us up. The other gaming group, E, was just ridiculous. You heard the commentary before the crowd was dead silent to start with as Fallon Sherrick five over Gabriel Clemens three she needed to win five three to get through and first leg she was she had the throw she needs 60 so she needs 20, 20 uh, double 20 which is called tops I'll call it tops because it's quicker 20 tops to finish a leg and she hits a triple 20. I know that feeling whenever you don't want triple 20 you don't want to slip into that Bam, that's what happens. So, And I think that threw off a bit. Clemens started to look really good. Um, I think she broke straight back to make it one all, but then Gabrielle got out to a 3-1 lead, meaning that uh, Fallon was going to need to win four legs on the spin. She got two of them, and that's when it got real nuts. So 
Gabrielle had 72 left <clears throat> and she had one for one and she's pinned it. And of course she's gone the hard way because she loves double 18. She's gone 60, triple 15, which is a lot harder hit than triple 90 because she's not practicing as much, but it left her with a special double 18, which just hang on in the corner, hung on in the corner to go four, three up. And the crowd just went nuts. And you can't script what happened to finish off. So Gabrielle then leaves himself 68 after needing 164 and Fallon had left herself 170. 170 being the big fish. You can't get a higher finish than that. And she just nailed it perfectly. She stepped up, bam, bam, bullseye. And you actually can hear it. go. It'll be on YouTube. It's on Instagram. You heard it when I played it before, which I'll probably get in trouble for having that vision, that sound in there, but it was just playing in the background. Let's just say that. And you literally hear her squealing with excitement through George Noble's microphone as he's calling the score, calling game shot, calling the Fallon of one. And just, gosh, watching it live is the best feeling. I'm not live as in there, but knowing, not knowing what's going to happen. If you jump on YouTube, you see Insta, the title's there of what actually happens, that she's done it. Wow. So as soon as you see the score on TV, you know it's going to happen. But to see her do it and to know that that gets her through the next round, I couldn't have been more pumped. Um, I can't wait till it's not her, they say, smashing the glass ceiling. So the Nordic Darts Masters making it that far, making it to the third round on her debut at Ali Pally. Now this, I can't wait till it's not smashing the ceiling for her because the pressure of being Fallon and any of the ladies playing, geez, I think it would get to you. I think the first couple of legs did get to her. Her throw went way off. She was throwing, she threw a 32 and 45s. When she's a triple 20 hitter, she's a 100, 140, 180 hitter. So I think all that pressure sometimes just gets to her. And it, as it would because the crowd wants you to do well. The commentators are wanting you to do well. They're hoping you do well. They need you to do well. So once it's not on her, that pressure, she's just going to go from strength to strength. She'll win multiple majors. I can, I'll bet my house on that. But, yeah, wow. Just I was so excited all day and I've watched it back probably maybe 10 times now and I'll probably watch it again before I go to the gym just to cheer me up and get me excited. Um, we'll move on though. Mencha versus Matt Campbell in Group F. Mencha just way too good. Matty Campbell doesn't look too bad, but he's got a long way to go. Um, he couldn't play a lot during COVID. He was stuck only in Canada, so he couldn't go over to America where some of the better players are. I could hardly come here, not here, to the UK. Um, it was a 5-0 win to Mencha and he looks good. He looks really good, Mencha. And the other grouping game in Group F, Jose D'Souza versus Luke Humphreys. Another one of those crazy games. Um, Luke Humphreys needed to win 5-2, and you never thought he would. Like, young fella, he's 25, 26, and Jose's on top of the world at the moment. He's the defending champion and just a beast all around. But um, he had his chances. I think he got to uh, – he was 5-2 up. No, not 5-2 because that would be a win. It was 4-3 four, four, he would have been up. And it came down to the leg that he needed to win to get in, and he just couldn't find the treble. Had all the chances in the world to win that by 5-3 to get himself through, and Jose would have been out. Jose looked defeated at one stage. But late in that last leg, he hits a 180 and gets himself out and makes it through just by the skin of his teeth. All right, so move on to Group G. Joe Cullen, five, to Lisa Ashton, two. They both looked really good. Joe's in pretty good form. 
So he'll take a lot of confidence going in um, after his performance against MVG wasn't bad, but lost. Gave uh, Big John a touch-up on the first day. Lisa looked pretty good, as I said. She ran into MVG, who was on fire day one. Joe, who's playing really well right now. And Hendo, who found a bit against her. So I still like her throw. I still think with more and more practice and more and more playing on the big stage, she's only going to go from strength to strength. And I think she'll be right up there. She'll get herself into the top the top 32, I reckon. She's got a tour card, I think. And I think she'll keep it tour card, I think. I'm going to look into that. I've got to do some more research. It just means you're playing in the Players' Championship events that are on basically every week. I think there's 30 all year, so... That's most weeks, well, 30 out of 52. And then there's a big tournament at the end of the year. And if you do well in them, you get invited to other tournaments. So as she plays more and more and more, she'll get up there. All right, the other one was MVG versus Hendo 5, MVG, Hendo 1. Average 95, commentator's not impressed with that. That's a couple of times I think it was Mardell, Wayne Mardell, said this is the inconsistent news MVG's having. The average 95, like, it's pretty bloody good. He can't average 115 every night. I still think he looked awesome. So from the three games, he lost three legs all up. So he's gone 15 to three. So that's just nuts. And you see the finish against Hendo at the end to win the game. So he's one, two, five. I'm pretty sure he's looking to hit the outer ball 25 and then go triple 20 tops for 125 finish. And he accidentally hits the ball. Semi blocks it. He hits the 25 and then still hits the other ball. So what a show finish. I'd love to be able to do that. And just he just looks awesome. And um gonna be hard to stop. I tipped him to win it, and I still think that's what's gonna happen. The last group, group H, Michael Smith five, Joe Davis three. Not a great performance on Michael Smith. Joe Davis still got that uh injury. Um, I can't wait to see him uninjured. Like he looks like he would have a solid throw when he's not bloody trying to hold back. You see one of them and they slow down on it. And his hand doesn't leave probably 10 centimetres from in front of his face when normally they're all extending their arm all the way out, but it's hurting him that much. So hopefully he gets a little bit of coin out of it instead of pulling out and getting nothing. He gets some coin. A better performance. So he got three legs on the board. I think he got one against Gaz and none against Barney. So... Another great young player coming through. All right, now the highlight, the highlight game. This was built as the major one, but Fallon's game was the what, second last, and Barney's was the last. Barney's Barney and Gary were like built up as the main event one. God, it was hard to come down. It was hard to relax and hard to get excited about the last game, even though it's Gary Anderson and Raymond Van Barneveld. Um, so it was Gary five, Barney two. Gary looked awesome. Good to see him back playing like that. Like. In the first, when he played Michael Smith, he had one loose dart per per throw pretty much. I think it was very similar against Joe Davis. He's throwing triple 20, very close to triple 20 or another one. And then he's got a one and a five and similar to what I'm doing, but I'm doing it with two or three darts. Um, but that wasn't there. That was a much better performance. Barney averaged 96. So good to see him throw good darts as well. It was a pretty good game, like quality. So Good to see Barney back. Hopefully he qualifies for some more tournaments and gets back into it after retiring a couple of years ago. To have him back playing properly is fantastic. So I'll have a quick look at my group predictions against who actually made it through the groups. So group A, I went with Gerwin and Christoph. 
I hadn't seen a lot of Nathan Rafferty, so that's my bad. He got through and knocked Christoph. Christoph just fell in a hole at the end there. Group B, I went with Johnny Clayton and Mervyn King, so another one I was wrong on. Um, Bradley Brooks got through, who is a fantastic young player as well, who I hadn't really seen. So Mervyn got better as the tournament and on his first day against Bradley Brooks. He'll rue that. Group C, I was hesitant on Rob Cross, and rightly so. He almost went out um, just off that last game when Wade almost tore him to sh- did tear him to shreds and almost beat him 5-0. But Wade and Cross got through. Group D, I went with Ryan Joyce and initially Dimitri Vandenberg. Um, Dimitri didn't play. Ryan Joyce got through and Rowby John. I was pretty sure it would be Rowby. Um, group E, I went with Fallon Sherrick and Peter Wright. And that was right. Group F, I went with Jose and Mensur. That was right. Uh, group G, I went with MVG and Lisa Ashton. Lisa just didn't quite get going. She showed some signs. And Joe Cullen played really well. So fair play, as they say in darts, to Joe Cullen. And Group H was Gary and Michael Smith. I will admit, um, I thought Gary would do it easily. I thought Gary would win all three. But it came down to a shootout with Barney. Um, But he got through, and I looked pretty good. Right, so the first round of knockout games. Have a listen to some of these. My God. I think it's split across two days, thankfully. I can't handle too much. Too much more hype and excitement. So you got Girl and Price, Bradley Brooks. That's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, Bradley Brooks is playing so well for someone so young. We'll see how the big stage goes, but the crowd's going to be behind him. For some reason, the crowd's always against Girl and Price. I understand he G's it up and gets everyone pumped and excited, but I still think he's a great player and I wouldn't be on his back too much all the time. I'm going Gerwin. Uh, the next one is Johnny Clayton and Nathan Rafferty. Great to see Nathan Rafferty get through. I think he's he looks like a solid young player, but I don't see him getting past Johnny Clayton. Johnny Clayton is just a class above at the moment. James Wade, Ryan Joyce. I think Wadey wins this one. That'll be another good game. Joycey, just a drop in form at the end there. That's where losing that last game when you don't need to because Wade's have to come out and play a really good game if he's going to get through, and he has. He's absolutely destroyed Rob Cross, who was in form, and played himself into form. So Ryan Joyce not in form, James Wade in form. So I only see one result there, which is James Wade getting through. Uh, Rowby John versus Rob Cross. This will be a tough one to call. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen there. Uh, Rob Cross obviously touched up by Wadey. Drop in form, Rowby John. Big, big, big performance against uh, Bunting. So... Going on form, I'm going to go Rowby. Uh, then you got Joe Cullen, Michael Smith. So these two are supposed to be, they were the young guns coming through. I still think they will start to take over and win a lot of tournaments coming up. But that is a good contest against two young players. Um, but I'm just going to go Joe Cullen. Don't know why, I just got a feeling he played pretty bloody well the whole time. Wait till you hear these last three. My God. Fallon Cherik versus Mencia Sulevich. Sulevich. Um, that's who she beat round two at her debut in the Worlds and just changed the game for women's darts forever. Um, some big finishes in that one. So that's awesome to see. I can't wait for that one. Uh, Jose versus Peter Wright. Jose D'Souza versus Peter Wright. What another cracking game. Um, you just don't know what's going to happen there. Both are so unpredictable. Um, 
I'm leaning towards Peter Wright. But yeah, we'll just see what happens there. Or yeah, Peter Wright, Peter Wright. And now the last one. Wow. MVG Michael Van Gerwen against Gary Anderson. Mouthwatering. And this is only the well, the round of sixteen, so we're not even at the quarters yet. And we've got MVG and Gary Anderson. Whew. Um, these two guys, between 2015 2017, it was who's going to win? Which one's turn? Who's going to turn up? Can Gary turn it on and beat MVG? If Gary plays his best, is it good? Is MVG good enough? That's all it ever was, every tournament. They made a whole movie on um, the 2016 World Championships. The whole movie was based on Gary Anderson, Michael Van Gerwen being on opposite sides of the the draw and building up to this massive tournament. But um, Adrian Lewis ended up making the final of that one. Barney threw him out. That's the game I was talking about earlier on in the podcasts. Say episode one, I think I talked about that game. Yeah, so those few years, they were just dominating. Um, Every now and then someone else would turn up. But most tournaments, it was just those two. So to get that in the round of 16 is just mouthwateringly delicious, as uh, Bruce would say. But I can't wait. So that's going to be split across two days, thank God. I bet you the best, uh, the Cullen, Cullen Smith, Fallon Mentor, Jose Wright, MVG Gaz will be on the next day. But that's all right. I can wait. All right. So we can move on from the review and the preview and all that now. There's a lot to get through, but we got through it. Now I just want to have a chat about still the PDC. I reckon they're really missing a trick here. After watching this tournament, and some of the things that I have watched in the past, what I have caught this year, I've only really started getting right into it now. I'm watching everything that I can and reading everything that I can. There is so many talented kids coming through. There's a lot of talented women on the women's series as well. Well, some of the kids coming through, you have a look at the names here, like Bradley Brooks, Nathan Rafferty, Rowby John and Rusty Jake, <laughs> the Rodriguez brothers, unbelievable. Um, who's the other one? Luke Humphreys. They're all just so talented. And as I said, Michael Smith and Joe Cullen are still pretty young and got a long way, long uh, line ahead of them. And have a listen to some of the names not playing in this tournament as well. Dimitri Vandenberg is out. Hybrex didn't uh, qualify. Um, Daryl Gurney, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure if he qualified. I don't think he qualified, but that's Daryl Gurney. He's been has ranked as high as fourth or fifth, I think. Uh, Nathan Aspinall, who's ranked 10. Dave Chisnell's not playing. Danny Noppet, who's um, recently moved over from the BDO. His finishing is elite. The Aussie boys, Simon Whitlock and Damon Hedder aren't in there. I just think they're missing a trick. It's great to see some of the lower-ranked players getting a chance and getting them qualification. But I'd love to see them include more players. Um, it's always been pretty traditional. I think this one's 32 players, uh, the Grand Slam and the match play. Those two definitely... I would love to see 64 players in that tournament. Um, I just think it would spice it right up, uh, give more exposure to all these other players and really see them all grow. Like, you never know what's going to happen. As I said, who would have picked that uh, Gerwin Price would get beaten by Schindler today? And it just happens. That stuff's happening week in, week out. There's upsets left, right and centre. There's kids coming through. So I'd just love to see more of it and still see those those top-end players like your Aspen or Chizzy Nopper, and then it gives a chance for me to see more of the Aussie boys over there 
in the big tournaments working their way back up. Simon Whitlock is ranked maybe 19th or 20th at the moment. I think Head is 32. They are both better players than that, but because they're not qualifying for the bigger tournaments, they're not um, they don't get to play and enhance their their um, position. You know what I mean? So like Bradley Brooks could probably jump up just as high as Header in one or two tournaments just by making it through this one and probably qualifying for the Worlds now because it's worth so much more to the rankings. But that's just what I think. Um, I think the Premier League maybe I'd love to see it move to 20 players. You don't have to play each other once. You can still do less. It's just like at the draw who you get. 20 players and the top eight qualify instead of the top four. It still can get played over two nights rather than one night of finals. That's I don't think that'd be an issue. You'd sell it out and you'd get ratings. So and then what everyone wants to see is a wild card. So that'd be awesome to have 20. You can eliminate a few of them as they do at the moment and then have six to ten playoff in a wild card for the spots in the finals. That'd be awesome. And then yeah, I just think, yeah, you see more players coming through and more upsets and more gun players, gun young players getting into it. That'd just that'd be fantastic. All right, the next topic of discussion. Paul Lim, the legendary Paul Lim. I think don't think he had the first nine data. I think he had the first live on TV nine data. He's qualified for the Worlds. Um, two years ago, he missed uh, double 12 by a whisker for a nine data at the age of 65, I think he was. He's going to be 67 this year. It's his 26th appearance at the Worlds. What a performance. I think that's got to be close to the world record. I, think. I don't think Phil played it that many. I know um, Steve Beaton's played it a lot, but I don't think anyone's played 26. Well, that's just up there as next level. I can't wait to see him on there. Um, the Worlds have got it right. I think it's 128 players at the Worlds. So the top 64, I think I'm going to have to look into it. But I think the top 64 are already through, which is a lot of the gun quality players. And then everyone else is qualifying. So they're taking a couple of ladies, a couple of Australia, New Zealand, Europe, and all the other countries all have their own qualifiers just to get those players involved as well. As, for example, Kai Smith goes over there and has a ripper. He might want to go to try and try out for Q school and move over there all together and really take up darts. And that's how you do it. You're going to have to go over there to play it. Um, Simon Whitlock made that move a long time ago, about 2008 or 2009, he made that move. Damon Hedder made that move a couple of years ago and it's just, it pays off. So that's the way to do it. All right. So last week we went through some training to up your game and a bit controversial, just staying on the triple twenties. Now we're going to try moving to switching to 19s. So those are the two most targeted spots on the board for you, for your scoring. So try one or two darts at triple 20, and then we're switching to the 19s. Hopefully by now your throw's nice and settled, and this way we'll try and get it settled at switching because you don't often just go all 19s, you stay on 20s. 20s is the straight target, so you're keeping your arm straight and all that. Um, so, yeah, one dart, switch to 19s. Next throw, two darts at triple 20, switch to 19s. And just try that for a while, maybe the same amount of time. Um, some pros hate the 19s and will never switch unless they really have to. Um, I think James Wade and Peter Wright are those. Um, but some of them switch at the drop of a hat. So Michael Van Gerwen won't hesitate in switching down to 19s. Um, Adrian Lewis loves the 19s. 
But um, try that, and we'll see how that goes, and we'll um, we'll just keep improving from there. Eventually, I'm going to follow this. Do the same amount of time. Try maybe a couple of hours a day. No, not a couple of hours a day. Try an hour a day, three days in a row, and see what that does for you. I think it'll be good. I'm going to try this plan, as I said, when I get time to do it properly. And because I will have a good crack at getting right into darts soon and possibly competing at something like the Queensland Festival of Darts and see how I go and getting into the DPA and all that sort of stuff. It will be fun. So I will follow my own tips soon. All right, the debut segment. I haven't got a stinger for it or an intro. I'm going to do it. But this week we're going to go without one. We'll just go da 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 this is the debut of Bix Top 3. My top three this week is going to be my top three non-Aussie players. You can probably guess which one is number one, but we'll go through it anyway. I'll give an honourable mention first up to MBG. He's a gun. I love him. He just misses out of my top three. Number three is Dave Chisnell. Um, 2015 Premier League. I watched every match. It was the first time I got to watch every match. I think I was... Um, up early with one of the kids or something along those lines. And I didn't work the Friday at the bakery. Um, I was working afternoon shifts. I wasn't too bad. I'd get home at about midnight, wake up at four. I'd sleep in between the matches, but I loved watching every minute of it. And um, Chizzy was in that one. And he was one of the favourites to be eliminated. Um, not sure why, how he qualified or what rank he was at that stage, but he got himself into it. And yeah, one of the favourites to be eliminated. And he was a bullseye away from finishing on top. That's a great game of darts, and I'll try and find that to put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, the last match of the whole season was MVG versus Dave Chisnell, and Chizzy hit a 1-6-1 checkout. And to keep himself alive, they went 6-all, 6-5, one of the two. And um, then MVG won the last one to go on top of the, the table. So he was supposed to be eliminated, finished top, and then just from there, I just loved him. So his triple 20 hitting is just awesome. He was involved in my favouritest match of all time, which is Gary versus Chizzy. But, yeah, I love him. love that bright yellow shirt. love watching him play. And it's unfortunate that he's not in the Grand Slam, but we'll see him soon. I think he'll be at the Players' Championships and in the Worlds, obviously. Number two is Mervyn King. He's just a stalwart of darts. He's just... I love his throw. I love his darts. And just the way he hasn't dropped off. He's 55 years old and he's still in every tournament. He's setting records the other week for averages. Um, still just bangs in that triple 20 so consistently. And, yeah, have a look at his darts. Like, it's just they're jagged. They look like a bone or something. It's just it's cool. Number one is the Flying Scots from Gary Anderson. Everything about him just... His natural ability. So that story of when I said earlier about him hitting 140 with his first ever throw, 180 with his second ever throw. I think it took me until about my 2000th throw to hit a 180. Um, so that's just natural ability. He's got such a smooth throw, great attitude about the way he plays darts, the way he goes up to every game. If he gets beaten, he's just like, yeah, the boy was better than me. His accent, try and listen to an interview with Gary Anderson. It's so hilarious. I love it. I can't understand it. But it's just awesome, and he is awesome. Many, many a titles, many a finals, and just he's also got a record similar to James Wade, but I think it's slightly more impressive in terms of the Grand Slam. So he's, he's been in every Grand Slam 
think this is the 15th one. He's never failed to make the knockout stages. So he's finished first or second in his group every single time. So, yeah, he just turns up and makes it to the next round. So that's my top three, Bix's top three. If you've got any recommendations on what we can do for the top three, let me know, and we'll do a top three. Next week's might be, we'll go with the obvious one, top three nine darters, I reckon. There's our buzzer, guys. That'll wrap it up. That was a lot of fun. As I said, it was a massive, massive day. That's a few days, so the Queensland Festival of Darts was on the weekend and obviously the big day of darts today. Just a lot of fun. So what we're going to do, I might do a short episode before the semis just so I can sit back and enjoy some darts. Um, That'll be on Saturday. And then on Sunday we'll do a full ep um, before the final. I'm still on MEG for the title. He'll win it. I reckon he's just in form, just in better form than anyone else at the moment. If you've got any questions, hit me up. I've linked my Insta to it. If you want to jump on, want to have have me talk about something, got any recommendations for the top three, get involved. And um, until next time, guys, look forward to it.